0: Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, the season two, the album series, we're talking about The Wild, The Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle. I'm J.B. Clark, and joined us always by Rob Carmack. Rob, how you doing today?
1: J.B., I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm ready to talk a little Wild, The Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle.
0: So I'm pumped about this because we all know that I love the first couple records, right? Yeah. Just a lot. But also uh, because this is one of the few records that we are, if not the only record that we are, lockstep in our ratings. And so it's cool to, to uh, you know, it's cool to disagree and like argue the merits of stuff, but it's also cool to experience something with someone and walking away saying the same thing. You know what I mean? Just having had the same experience with something that you did not experience at the same time. It's cool.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and this is not the only one we're, we're in lockstep. on. If, if you look at the ratings over the past four years, we are in lockstep on this album and the next two albums on Born to Run and on Darkness on the Edge of Town. So we're we're going to be that's right. That's right. We're, we're going to be pretty chummy for the next few albums. And then th- we, we may see some divergence won- once we get into the 80s. But uh, at, at this point in the journey, we are we are very similar. Mary Queen of Arkansas, notwithstanding, we are in mostly total agreement on the body of work
0: and, and I mean the next two songs the next two records almost all of us as Bruce Springsteen fans are in lockstep on you know what I mean so not Jesse Jackson well right right
1: <laughs> not, the, not, there the co- is not the host of the other Bruce Springsteen podcast based out of this part of the <laughs> country <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> The most but, yes, col- you're right. Most collector Bruce
0: of Bruce Springsteen fans on the planet. Yeah, uh, but yeah, for the most part, Bruce Springsteen fans are like really in lockstep on those two records, and so you know the other, the other records are the ones that we that we kind of swap out on. So it's it's cool to be in lockstep.
1: It is, and and we're gonna talk a lot more about that as we go. And I, I do want to say, like, for those of you who listened to the previous episode, and were like it maybe seems like we didn't know exactly what we bit off when we decided to change the format for the second season. You're not wrong. In fact, JB and I were just off mic having a conversation about how part of changing the format of a a podcast that you've been doing for four years is realizing like, oh, we were sort of in a rhythm and we didn't know exactly how to do it with a different rhythm, not to mention the fact, and I'm not <laughs> any I'm other not way, any yeah, or any other way. And I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and take this one. I, was, I, told this to JB off, off mic, and I'll, I'll say it again. I'm not, I'm not proud, but I'm not ashamed either. I, I sat down with a drink in my hand uh, last week t- when we got started, and the drink, <laughs> the drink became a lot more important to my system than I. <laughs> It had I, 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 I timed it out incorrectly, let's say. And so my yeah. my ability to focus and to keep the conversation on the rails uh, was not – I was not at my best, let's say. And yeah, that's my fault. But it's also uh, uh, the guy who – the CEO of Tito's Vodka I think has, has something to uh, – has to bear some of the blame for that. Whose
0: vodka. last name is Beveridge. His name is Tito Beveridge. That's not real. Is it really? That's 100%.
1: Oh. That sounds like a story from the Onion. His know. name
0: is Tito. No, his name is Tito Beverage.
1: Oh my gosh! Well,
0: my new boss. Uh, speaking of the Onion, my new boss. I walked into his office today, and he had two monitors in addition to his laptop sitting on his desk. And I immediately said out loud, "Uh oh, looks like we have a badass." <laughs> <laughs> and then I sent him a link to my, to my second favorite Onion headline of all time, which is uh, "Co-worker with two monitors really not around today." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, that's very funny.
0: No, Tito Beverages is is the owner of Tito's Vodka. A a proud Texas company. It is a proud Texas company.
1: Well, speaking of quality products, how's this for a transition? Speaking of quality products, uh, today we're talking about the (laughs) album. We're we're in our album season that we're doing here. Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet, and we're going chronologically, not alphabetically. So last week we talked about the debut album of Bruce Springsteen. This week we are doing the second album, released by Bruce Springsteen which is called The Wild The Innocent and the E Street Shuffle. This album was released on November the 5th, 1973, which is exactly 10 months to the day, 10 months to the day after the release of Greetings from Raspberry Park, the first album, also by uh, also released by Columbia Records and was also not super well received by the by the album buying community. It was yeah, critically it was very well received except Rolling Stone, not unlike Greetings from Missouri Park, Rolling Stone also did not review this record, which is amazing. But uh, Ro- Rolling Stone completely ignored— with, with with one with one mention in the, the side notes portion by John Hammond in Rolling Stone magazine, Bruce Springsteen's name completely absent from Rolling Stone magazine in his debut year, 1973. It, with, in, in spite of the fact that he released two amazing records— in one year, I mean, yeah, the that year, yeah, in, Wow. Inside of 10 months, that's insane, I mean, imagine today having one artist who can drop two albums that are both this good inside of a year and nobody paying attention to it.
0: So there's this record label that was really influential to me in high school called Tooth and Nail Records. They released a lot of like uh, punk and hardcore and emo a lot of records rock. and yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were a label that was that was like, hey, we're going to get Christian artists and not promote them just to, just to like, uh, you know, love FM or whatever. MXPX. Christian radio station in town. Yeah, so they had MXPX as one Plank of their Chi. most famous. Under Oath. Yeah, Plank Eye, Under Oath is one of the most famous Ballet bands because Under Oath sort of invented a genre. But in 2003, the end of 2003 and then 2004, they put out, um, some of the most influential records of all time, and it, and it is considered one of the most influential periods in like punk and metal, and and uh, that that area of stuff with you know me without You's catches for the foxes showbread's no sir nihilism right, is Impractical practical he is legends I am Hollywood maze destination B sides and under us like they're only chasing safety, and these are the, most people who listen to this have probably never heard of these records. It's uh oh. Training for Utopia was on there? Demon Hunter? Demon Hunter was one of their more famous bands. Anyway, they put out all these records that changed the sound of of a whole genre of music in one year, right? Bruce Springsteen did it by himself. Like, the E Street Band did that by themselves. They put out records, multiple records in one year that changed the genre.
1: Well, and it's not like they... And that, like... It's not like these are twin albums either. These are very different albums, and we'll talk as we get into it. We'll very talk different. about the sonic differences. It's like it's crazy that these two albums are created by the same person in ten months. Well, it's it's a guy. It's a guy who put out a great record that wasn't super well received, and
0: people. We're trying to pigeonhole him, and then the audience who heard him was trying to say, like, I think he's trying to break out and do something else. And so he's like, let me introduce you to my band. (laughs) Let me show you what I can do with a band.
1: Yeah, and we'll get into that. But, yeah, the difference between Greetings from Asbury Park and this record is Greetings from Asbury Park is largely – a solo album. I mean, it's not a full blown acoustic album like Nebraska or Ghost of Tom Joad, but it's not a full blown E Street Band album. There's a couple of songs that feature the E Street Band, most notably, notably like Blinded by the Light and Spirit in the Night, but it, it is largely just basically Bruce on his own with with, with a couple of accompanists. Yeah, and 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 people weren't responding to it.
0: Well, and most importantly, there were songs that Bruce was in charge of that Bruce wrote and they took to the studio. And then once there said, oh, this needs such and such. And he brought in a guy from the band. This record, the Wild, the Innocent, and the Easter Shuffler songs, that he wrote and took to the band.
1: And the band worked up. And then they took to the studio. Which is which is truer to who, what his live performances were like. And I think probably that was the early feedback from like, this this guy's doing these the most amazing, most like crowd drawing shows all up and down the East Coast why is no one buying this record? And I think somebody, and I, I assume it was either Michael Capel or or somebody at Columbia, or maybe it was Bruce himself just kind of laying, uh, dropping the hammer and basically saying like, look, the thing that people love about what, what I'm doing is the energy that I generate with my band. And if you take that out of the live right. recording, you're not going to get the thing that people are showing up for. And and even though this album was not nobody successful. Goes,
0: nobody wants Robert Randolph's uh, solo record.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, or it's, it's more like, I don't know. Like if if you're if you're going to see anybody, and the thing about them yeah. is is their stage presence and their energy and their charisma, and you just strip all of that out, and they are like, just write us some songs and be Van Morrison or be Bob Dylan. You yeah. you can't. You're not. That's not going to work. You know what I mean? So. Um, and, and somebody rightly said like, no, 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 we, we need the band to be a collaborator, r- collaborator. We, and this is by far the loosest album that Bruce Springsteen's ever going to make. And and we'll talk more about like the yeah. personnel and why that is, but part of it is the overcorrect correct. It's like swinging the pendulum all the way.
0: Oh yeah. Swinging the pendulum for sure. For sure. It's swinging the pendulum. We've talked about Kitty's back before one of the loosest songs of all time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that is very true. And, I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but yes, that's exactly right. And so like, yeah, like I said, this, this album is very well received by critics, but it is not successful. So while they're getting closer to finding what the sound of Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band should be on vinyl, it's still not, it's still not finding an audience for it's the radio is just not picking it up. And possibly it's because these songs are very long and like, these are not pop song. You know what I mean? Even Rosalita is prohibitively long if you're like spinning for a radio. So anyway, I mean, yeah, we'll get into all of this, but all that to say, it's a great record.
0: Oh, yeah. It's such a good
1: record. Yeah. <laughs> one of the best of all time, one might say. For sure. Well, in fact, uh, Rolling Stone Magazine now, now, now that they know his name, Rolling Stone Magazine lists this as the 14th best sophomore album of all time. And if you're, by the way, if you're one of our patrons... Uh, and we, we mentioned this at the end of our last episode but if you're one of our patrons we are doing bonus episodes on the patreon feed we uh jb has gone in and created a new feed just for the patrons and you can you can subscribe and it will uh, yeah we'll upload bonus episodes of us listing out top five albums to correspond with each of the main episodes and last week's top five album we talked about our top five debut albums uh, this week we're going to talk about our top five sophomore albums, and like I said, uh, this this album is listed as the 14th best sophomore album of all time by Rolling Stone magazine. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna if you're a patron, you're gonna hear more of our thoughts on other albums that qualify for that. I think,
0: and they're they're not all just gonna be like the top uh, th- third albums. Like we have different themes for each one. These just happen to be debut and sophomore like widely talked about. So we're going to, you know, best album from the 70s, best, you know, track one, side one, best closing song. You know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about a
1: bunch of different stuff. I think when we talk about the river, we should do best double albums. I think that would be a really fun conversation. Oh, Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that'll be good. So, yeah, we got a lot to you – know, there's a lot of ground we're going to cover. And so each each week, hopefully, what we're going to try and do is drop a bonus album for the patrons. So if you're a subscriber at the $1 or higher level, then you are – you can get behind that paywall and you can uh, download those episodes.
0: And also half of everything you donate goes to uh, No Kid Hungry. I guess I should say like half of everything you donate after – after patron takes their like whatever tiny little percentage cut, so right. it goes to goes to No Kid Hungry, so to help feed kids. So
1: it's not just it's you, you can feel good about it. Yeah, if you've ever been to a Bruce Springsteen concert, you know that between the main set and the encore, Bruce always plugs whatever local food bank he uh, has, whatever's in, in the area. So we wanted to find something that's close to Bruce Springsteen's heart and um, important people towards it. So No Kid Hungry felt like a good a good fit for that. Anyway, so let's talk about this album. That was a very natural ad break. We didn't even plan that. So natural.
0: Anyway, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. This isn't just an ad podcast. This is a podcast about the wild, the innocent, and in the East Fruit Shuffle. Also, great, great record title. This is one of the all-time great record titles.
1: Yeah, it's a good record title. And obviously connected to, to the name... That the E Street Band, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, um, and so the E Street Band, by the way, are the are the players on this record. The producers of this album are Mike Appel, who was Bruce's manager at the time, and a guy named Jim Kritekos, I I think is how this name is pronounced. Uh, and then the rest of the personnel is it's the original E Street Band. It's Bruce Springsteen on guitar, harmonica, lead vocals, and a handful of other things. You've got Clarence Clemens on saxophone, David Sanchez on piano, Danny Federici on accordion. Uh, Gary Talent on bass and tuba. We'll talk about that later. And Vinny Lopez on drums. So this, by the way, this is Danny Federici's first East Street Band album. Even though he was playing with Bruce on, at the Dang. live shows, he was not on Greetings from Asbury Park at all. So that's interesting. Dang, it sucks for Danny. That does suck for Danny. I mean, I say that. I'm sure at the time, when I would, like, nobody I was. that. Yeah. I mean, maybe when, when it didn't work out, Danny seems like the kind of guy who's like, Maybe that's because I wasn't on your album. Maybe if you put me in your album a little bit more, it'll sell more. And then Bruce does, and it didn't work. So you know, who yeah. knows? I don't know what that was like. Anyway, so that's the uh, that that's the breakdown. That's who you hear on on this album. So JB, anything else? Any any opening thoughts, general observations before we start in on the track by track.
0: It's just cool. It's just like a really cool record. You just know this is like a cool guy. All the all the little phrases he says and all the ways he says them are just cool. You know what I mean? Like, just like the whole record is like dripping, dripping, and cool. And that's that's just that's the theme.
1: Yeah, and it, it being is being a cool guy. And, and it really does, man. It takes it takes all the band work that was missing from the, the last album, and it just cranks the whole thing up to eleven. Like there's so much band work on this album.
0: There's a lot of horns, especially in the East Street Shuffle. And there's he just plays his his melodies. He kind of does like a talky sing song thing. Yeah, a lot on this record. Yeah, he does. And, but he always like plays with the horns when he's doing it, you know, like doing the East Street shuffle. You know, like that's such a cool, you know, I don't know, that's just such a cool. There were not there were not uh, white guys in New York, in the in the sixty or the seventies doing that, and like sincerely and not getting ridiculed for it does that make sense
1: it does and and I wonder how much of that has to do with the it, at this point in the Street band Bruce, Bruce has some diversity at least like Davis Sanchez and Clarence Clemens are, are both people of color and so um and so it's possible that Bruce was sort of been able to receive a little bit of guidance in in in, in be, being a white guy on stage doing this type of music you know what I mean
0: yeah well I mean his band had had been very diverse for a while uh at this point Yeah. you know yeah so
1: well, yeah, I mean, there's if you read his uh, the the books about him, you, you see like some, there there were certain points where Bruce was traveling with like a dozen musicians, including like including like background singers and and like horn players. Like, I mean, it was crazy. I can't imagine how anybody was making any money if they were like if if you're if you're driving all the way to like Virginia Beach and you're getting paid two hundred dollars to split between eleven people. Like, I can't imagine anybody was enjoying that very much.
0: 200 bucks is a lot in 73 compared to now.
1: I guess, but split between 11 <laughs> but, uh, people, <laughs> that doesn't but sound yet, great. Especially if you got to pay for, like, gas and... Thinking about a guy that age
0: convincing that many people to come along is cool to me. You know, this guy had something about him. This guy had some... Like, this... Bruce could have started a cult, I think.
1: I mean, some might argue some that he Some people would did. argue that he has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, I mean, like, Bruce could have started, like, a very nefarious cult and, and been... And, and been successful. Bruce, you know?
1: <laughs> Bruce Springsteen started a cult. More successful
0: and, than a lot of people have been.
1: Yeah, and Jesse Jackson has been interviewing every usher and uh, elder in the cult for the last uh, five or six <laughs> years. Well,
0: that's the thing. that Someone could look at me and say, it's a cult. and I, I, I'm not certain I wouldn't say, I know, and I'm going to join.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like, the coolest cult around. Yeah, you got a cooler cult than this? Yeah, I defy you to find a cooler cult than Bruce Springsteen fandom. I defy you. <laughs> so uh anyway let's 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 get into let's get into the track by track so track one side one you you pick up the vinyl you drop you put it down you drop the needle side one track one title song e street shuffle
0: This is the shortest song. On- yeah, the shortest song coming in at 4 minutes and 27 seconds. And, like, the first uh, first little bit is some weird horn work. That, that uh, for, for 12 seconds, for 6 seconds, you're not okay with it. For 10 seconds, you're worried about it. And then 15 seconds, you're thinking, I didn't sign up for this. And then right at, like, 20, you think, oh, that was masterful. <laughs>
1: As soon as the guitar starts coming in and going, you know, you're just thinking that was masterful. <laughs> I feel like the entire job of this song is to let the listener know this is not greetings from Raspberry Park Two point out. You know what I mean? Like just the, the yeah, 12 seconds so of horn work. Then. Yeah. The 12 seconds of horn work is a way of signaling to every listener. This is different. This is more. Like whatever whatever was stripped down about the last album, we're bringing it all back in. We're we're loading. We're take, We're we're going into the back room where we keep all the instruments. We're pulling out every single thing, and we're gonna play them all. And that's what this song is doing.
0: Yeah. In fact, um. One hundred percent.
1: I don't know. Do you listen to Broken Records with Malcolm Gladwell? I have not listened to this last season, but I do. So there was an episode several months ago with uh, where he interviews Questlove. Have you listened to that one? Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So so during the interview with Questlove, he because uh, he they're talking about all the different musicians that have come to play on the Tonight Show, and and Malcolm Gladwell says like, who have you played with or who have you seen that really surprised you and really kind of like amazed you? And Questlove said, look, I realize it's a totally cliche thing to say, but Bruce Springsteen like blew me away. And he said, we 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 had them come in yeah. and and they did this song, they did the uh the East Street Shuffle. He said and. Bruce, like, not only did all of the Roots play on this song, along with the E Street Band, but also, um like, Bruce invites, like, everyone in the crowd to come dance on the stage while they're playing it, and Questlove was, like, the stage, yeah. the entire platform where the, where the band plays every single night was an inch lower the next morning when they got back to work <laughs> than it had ever been before. Oh, like, wow. Like, they stomped the thing That's into the incredible. ground. incredible. So yeah, th- that, and this song really, I mean, that's a great picture of what, what it is to listen to this song. It's like everybody, I mean, everybody form a line. Everybody come out on the dance floor. Everybody come be a part of whatever the thing is that we're doing. This is fully invitational, fully, like, let's let's open the doors as wide as we can, and let's get this thing started.
0: This song sets you up for what the whole record's going to be. You already said that a little bit, but just like, it's funky. It comes down real low at points and is, is really earnest. It's cool. It's a, it's reminiscent of a time and place, you know.
1: Yes. Well, it's about posturing a little bit too. Like the E Street Shuffle is like, what do you do when you don't fully know who you are in a particular space, and you're just sort of like faking it until you figure it out. The, the whole thing about like packed with Detroit muscle and like, d- like the all the, the different types of people who sort of like show up on the scene.
0: It's like, a, all right, so, I, so there's this artist I really love, uh, Rodrigo Amarante, and I saw an interview with him a little while back, and he, he, he talks about this word. In uh, Portuguese, he's from Brazil. Just this word in Portuguese called saudade. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. S a u d a d e, which is is it's like nostalgia for a place that feels like home. Okay. So it's not like missing. It's not missing home. It's not being homesick. It's not nostalgia, but it's like this longing for a time and place that is 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 comforting, like home. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. It's a word that they have that other languages don't have. That's that's you know what I mean? Like I love finding those in languages. Uh I, I, I try to collect them And that's what this song I mean this record really represents that it's he's like just on the other side of like being 17 You know on on the pier
1: Yeah,
0: and he's thinking like this is great being an adult, but also that was great, too and I didn't realize it and so let's reconcile this like being young and and being cool and maybe having some autonomy now and that that's what this is to me, and and the East Street Shuffle as a song represents that as a whole, and then the record follows up on it in in such a real. It's not like sonically super concise, but thematically it really paints a picture of a time and
1: place. It, absolutely, you're absolutely right. In fact, I I think we said this when we talked about this album on like the the album by album or the song by song episodes, but this song is the front door to the rest of the like. It, if the whole album is a house, this song is the front door in every room of the house. Yeah, this song represents what you're gonna find in every room of the house. This is one of those records that sounds um, that 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 you that you
0: like. You would love to just have Fourth of July asbury park. You know, like that's a great song on its own. But you, if you couldn't have it with the rest of the record, it's almost not worth it. Once you've known what it is with the record, you know what I'm saying? New York City Serenade, Rosalita, Incident. You know, like without Wild Billy and Kitty's Back in the order of this record. It doesn't make as much sense, and none of them do without the E Street Shuffle. So it's like contextual, these are all you know, like most of these are five star songs. Contextually, all of them are, but on their own, some of them don't stand up as much as the others. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, and I think we talked about that in, in some of the individual song episodes too. Like, you know, this song, like we, we talked about, I think, Wild Billy Circus Story, which we'll get to in a minute, but that, that song is exactly what it needs to be and where it needs to be. But if you just like Throw it on if you're on shuffle and you and you just hit Wild Billy Circus Story. You're like I don't know about all that, but like it doesn't it doesn't do all the yeah. But like what
0: other song are you gonna put side four
1: disc? You know I mean
0: track four disc one. Yeah, you know you know side A like. That's the, that's the song that you have to do there. That's what gets you to Incident. That's yes. what gets you from Kitties to Incident. Kitties to Incident on their own, like, without Wild Billies, you're exhausted. You know, you just listen <laughs> to four tracks and you're like, all right, just three more. I'm done, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah, You know, and especially, like, Incident to Rosalita to New York City Serenade is such a dance, right? Because Incident and Rosalita, that's big. That's really big, but Rosalita gives you like, a little bit of rest on it, and then New York City Serenade, sort of you take all that energy and sort of put you to bed. So, but if you had Kitty's Back incident, Rosalie New York City Serenade, like those four in order or even the three without New York City Serenade in order,
1: that's it. That's You're done.
0: You're an insane person for both.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and also and, – and this shows you that, I mean, while Bruce is clearly, like, figuring himself out – Sorry. I didn't realize I had that many feelings about – I didn't realize I had that many feelings about all that. Oh, you're good. All at once. Well, and, and that shows you, like, even though there's a lot of what Bruce sort of figures out as he goes – you know, as as a songwriter and as a performer, some of the things that were fully formed, it seems, right as he began as a recording artist, was the idea that the album needs to be a functioning unit. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. the overall structure. Like you see this with greetings too, but e- like you see it, I think even more here, which is that the album in and of itself is is a narrative. It's a journey, and you, it's an album is not just a collection of singles. It is it is a movement through time and space. And and this album does that, and so like the, yeah. this song, as well as "Blinded by the Light" on the on the previous record, the thing that these two songs have in common is they are the front door to a journey, or they're the first step on a long journey. And um and and Bruce is a very very capable storyteller, which obviously at this point we should all <laughs> be fully aware of. But um, but yeah, East Street Shuffle, yeah. it's it's a, it is exactly what the first any if you take any of these songs and like move them around. And you put anything else as track one side one here, it doesn't. Even Rosalita, with all of its energy and fun, it's not. That's not the. That's not the correct answer for what the first tr- song on this album should be. The correct answer is the Easter Shuffle. Yeah, yes.
0: Um, well, but- and Easter Shuffle's got the the cheering, and then the, the Eastery Resh- has that guitar solo, like that Mark Knopfler unaffected guitar solo. That ends, and the song ends at like the end of the three minute, like the, the begin, right before four minutes, and then it picks back up into an interlude. It's the same sort of like turn that the rest of the song is, is based on, but it's an interlude up to Fourth of July Asbury Park. Because you can't just like have that solo and then go straight to Fourth of July. That's what I'm saying. It's like the song is so perfectly. I mean, this record is so perfectly structured.
1: It is. It is because
0: exactly like in each you can't have that crazy unaffected guitar solo and then have, and then have this tiny little unaffected guitar so, guitar thing on Sandy. You've got to you've got to have that interlude that like like forty second or thirty second interlude that is just the end on, on a modern song. That would have been the second track is forty seconds of that interlude.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean on a modern record that on a CD.
1: Well, and, uh, and which takes us into the, the second track, which is Fourth of July, Asbury Park, parentheses, Sandy.
2: Sandy, the fireworks are hailing over Little Eden tonight. Forcing a light and all those stony faces left stranded on this warm July. Down in the time the circuits fall, a switch play lovers so fast so sharp the soul sharp as the wizards play down on tinballway on the board walk way past her
1: so you go out, out of the east street shuffle and into is sandy and this tonally this is an interesting move you know like he 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 sort of yeah. changes the tone, and this is. Uh, um, we're, last week we we listed our, our three favorite songs after we went through the track by track. We're just gonna do it as we go. This is my third favorite song on this album. Okay, and and this is Danny on the accordion, and we mentioned before Danny was not on the previous record, so like this is a really interesting. Like, <laughs> hey everybody, meet Danny Federici. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this guy. Yeah. This, this this becomes his signature song for the literally for the rest of his life. And this is such an interesting... Okay, also, this is the first single off of this album, and the B-side of the song was the East Street Shuffle, but the single was only released in Germany, which is so random. Like, Columbia Records was like, nobody's going to listen to this in America. The Germans will love it.
0: Yeah, well, you never know, man.
1: I don't know if it did that don't
0: well. Don't hassle the Hoff.
1: Good point. It was this and the ha- and the Hoff. Yeah. I, I think that uh,
0: this might be my third favorite. I know that... I think East, East Street is definitely my first. I Ooh. think this might be my third.
1: Interesting. So we're already hitting one and three, and we're just to track number two on, on the whole thing.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can say this is my third. I, I don't know that I can rank these re- songs on this record, it's, honestly, it's very if I'm difficult. being honest. Yeah. Um, so th- there's like I've got four number ones and then like a number two and some threes.
1: <laughs> hey, I'll allow it. Whatever. It's our podcast. So these, these – <laughs> I don't they, make the rules. These first two songs are really interesting, too, because um, – I think on this album you see two sides of Bruce Springsteen. You see on the one hand he's a fun just like high energy exhibitionist, but also on the other hand he's a soft romantic. He's he's a, he 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 has sort of like this wistful almost nostalgic but all, but just sort of like a like every every day has magic like has has magical potential inside of it. And I think these two songs are really interesting ways of showing us at the at the outside of this record, that those two things are both going to be here. That that this is not like it's not going to be a tonal shift to go from one to the other. That both that both are actually part of the same personality, and that both and that if you're going to go on this journey with this songwriter and this in this storyteller, you have to be prepared to deal with a lot of joy and excitement, but also a lot of like I, I don't I don't know like big hearted earnestness. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I gotta say though, this is this feels like a. Uh... It's a lot softer, a lot
1: slower of a song, but it feels like it's got just as much energy to me. Does that make sense? Well, absolutely, because I mean, and and that I think is part of the of the trick when they change the format of this record, which is like even the slow songs to have have to have a certain amount of energy.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in the story, in this like there's so much happening in the story of this. It's almost like uh, think about your uh, you are involved in a high speed car chase, and then think about you are part of like a sneaky heist at the end of it. Which one is your heart beating faster in? hmm Neither. It's the same. And right. that's how I kind of feel about these two songs. It's like a wicked one-two punch, but the second is like a – it's like a body shot and a jab, so you don't think about it as it being as as big. Yeah. But it's, it's just as energy-filled and effective.
1: Which is a great way, by the way, to describe a live Bruce Springsteen show because even, even when he brings it down, yes. even when he does something like Sandy or Fade Away or The River, like you still – like the energy is still in the room. He's still, he is still Bruce Springsteen for the entire three or four hours that he's on that stage.
0: Yeah. He's either telling you a story like, like in his Netflix special, when April sat down and started watching it, she was just like, this is, she was talking about it. Like we were, like we were watching a world war II documentary, you know, she was like this story is so captivating. You know, it's just him on stage. It's like when you're at a concert and you, Oh, it's slow down a little bit. Maybe I'll go to the bathroom. And then you're just like, Oh no, this is so important. Yeah. <laughs> And he does. I
1: mean, he, he has kind of that. He, oh. Yeah, it's, it's like a superpower. That is his superpower. For sure. It's his magic trick. It, it's exactly what it is. It's his magic trick. We should also say that these two songs, East Shuffle" and Fourth of July Spray Park, are in our Hall of Fame. We gave both these songs consecutive fives. Yes. And then uh, track three, we've got Kitty's back.
2: Long size hole and Kitty's black too. She left to marry some top cat Ain't that cool, true? In the there's been a tally Since Sally left the alley Since Kitty left the big pretty things I got
1: mentioned earlier which is like the biggest Egg. loosest most band oriented song on this record it's very 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 loose it's a vinnie lopez showcase vinnie lopez uh the yeah the original drummer of the Eastry band <laughs> he's uh you know he's doing what he does man he's just keeping it loose yeah yeah He's like a bad drummer in the, I mean, a bad jazz drummer in the best
0: way. Does that make sense?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, then I I read a, I I can't remember what book it was in. I think it was in the Peter Ames Carlin book that it was basically like Bruce, Bruce was always sort of like the lone defender of Vinny as a drummer. Like a lot of people just didn't get what he was doing and they thought, they thought he was too wild and they thought he was too just like totally undisciplined. But Bruce really liked like the, Bruce felt like, well, I mean, since we have that in the toolbox, let's let's do something like Kitty's back. Let's let's see what let's see how far we can stretch that. Let's see what we can use that for. And man, that's, right? I mean, that that, well, that shows that, you like Bruce knows what he's doing. He knows how to quarterback his his people
0: for sure. Look, I I'm the first to say if Max is into the band, Bruce is nowhere near as famous as he is now. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's not famous. I'm just saying like Max is a.
1: Huge part of that. Max Weinberg, the current drummer of the E Street Band. You're you're saying Max Weinberg, the current drummer. Yes. Yes. But Vinny, if
0: Max never joined the band and Vinny had always been in the band, I think Bruce would be almost as famous uh, for a different, like sort of for a different thing. I think his records would sound totally different and he'd be just almost as famous for a different thing. Does that make sense? Interesting. I think I think drums are so much more important than a lot of people do. But like, and Max Weinberg. I mean, like, what is Bruce Springsteen's most famous song? Um, born in the USA,
1: Dancing in the what Dark. What is
0: the most iconic part of Born in the USA? Oh, the the opening snare pop.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: The snare drum. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like I mean, like that's a microcosm too. That is the that is the greatest example, but it's also a microcosm, and so it happens all over. And and like it it's no accident that on the most iconic part of the most iconic song that that the most iconic rock artist has put out is like his unassuming uh, like uh drummer you know
1: that is an interesting theory sir that yeah and i think vinnie lopez is a uh,
0: look i love Vinny lopez mm-hmm. there's a reason their first two records rank so high for me and and i think that if vinnie lopez had been the drummer throughout bruce would be uh almost as famous you just can't be so popular in a pop music sort of perspective without having a drummer who's as tight as max weinberg so that's what I'm like. He wouldn't have been as famous. It's an interesting theory. You that have that. to have. Yeah. You have, it's 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 not it's not a theory. It's <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> it's the very like definition Vinny of Lopez, a theory. Yeah. Vinny Lopez would have uh, would have made him his sound different. It would have been looser throughout. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, this so I think that he maybe would have written a little more loosely knowing because you're right, you're right. He identified in Vinny like this sort of this sort of like secret um, power that he had and and there's a reason that
1: the records that Vinny's on swing that way. Well, and, and it's possible that because Bruce is so famously like disciplined and ha- has such a has such a very tight specific vision with every single one of his albums, it's possible that if Vinny it, it's possible there there's no universe in which Bruce wouldn't have eventually fired Vinny. You know what I mean? Cuz like he Right. I, yeah, like Vinny would could,
0: could have been in the Strokes and they wouldn't have been as famous because those you know half that band's like pretty loose you know what I'm saying like uh but the the juxtaposition we did it between Vinny and Bruce like Bruce's exacting nature and Vinny's super loose style make these first few records so much fun to listen to yeah but-, but also yeah I I mean there's a there's in all of the millions of universes of the multiverse there's maybe like two that Max Weinberg you know, or somebody like that, Steve Jordan, who played on some of his records, like isn't his drummer and that he that Vinny doesn't get fired. There's only like
1: two universes where that happens. <laughs> well, we we know that like looking into the future, we know that one of the things that Bruce will do when he's not working with the history band is he he likes to shuffle and no pun intended. He likes to shake up the the lineup specifically because he's looking for different sounds for different albums. And so, like you said, like Steve Jordan will show up some he'll he'll bring in uh, some different personnel when he does the Seeker Sessions. Um, w- when he's working in the '90s with the the '90s band, like he's he's got um, uh, one of Jeff Percaro, and or one of, one of the guys from yeah. Toto, you know, like and so, um, so so yeah, one of the things that he's doing is he he's he's looking to to work with different types of drummers because Bruce also knows like who who you put in your band is going to affect the overall construction of the album and and he's uh, well, what's kind of a interesting is about all that. those drummers are all those drummers are really tight, yeah. And that's one thing that's pretty interesting. And Vinny is not. But also Vinny, I mean, and we'll talk more about this next week because Vinny gets fired during the uh, the recording sessions of Born to Run. But uh, Vinny, not only in addition to being a, a really loose kind of unconventional drummer, he was also kind of a hothead and uh, was, was not always just on board with doing every single thing that Bruce wanted him to do. And when you're a guy who naturally is given the nickname of The Boss, uh, having a guy in your band who doesn't love to take orders is not like. He's not your favorite guy for a long time, and so uh, we'll we'll talk more about like the, the situation and yeah. under the the conditions under which Vinnie is is removed from the Easter band next week. But but you're right, like for this album and for what Bruce right. is. And, well, and to do. the next three albums don't happen
0: if Vinny doesn't leave the band.
1: Well, well, for sure, like Born to Run is not Born to Run with with Vinny. It's it's a it's a different it's a different and album entirely. Born in the sure.
0: USA, yeah, established is different. Darkness on the Edge of Town is like.
1: That's a tight percussion record. Right. So but for the purposes of this album and this song, Vinny is the right man for the job, for sure. All the way down to uh, like when I saw yeah. when he used to talk about how he wasn't in the band, in Kitty's back, he is fully in the band <laughs> oh he's more in the band than just about anybody in, in the song in fact when i uh when i saw bruce in new jersey in 2012 he he brings vinny out to perform the e street shuffle as if to say like the song will always sort of belong to this guy you know and and i have to assume the that kitty's right. back sort of feels the same way you know
0: yeah well like the coolest part of the whole record is the and get right and then vinny like pauses for like the up you know like an upbeat and then comes down you know like breath, but bomb, bomb,
1: get tight, but bomb. It's just like so loose. It's so cool. Yeah, and it's. I mean, we're we're three songs into the album, and this is the second party song. Like big crowd sounds, lots of instrumental. Like everybody sort of feels like they're given some space to do their own thing. It. It. I mean, I realize like if, if you yeah. look at it on paper, this this song is a lot more tightly constructed than it sounds, but uh, it, the the feeling of it though is. House party, and that's this. This is the second of three songs that we're getting like that. So clearly, Bruce is trying to say and do something very specific with this record. So that's Kitty's back, and then track four on side one is Wild Billy's Circus Story. The
2: machinist climbs his first wheel. Like a braid. In the fire eaters' line, in a pool of sweat, victim of a heat wave. Behind the tent, the hired hand tightens his legs on the sword swallower's
1: blade. Now, this song is very different from anything else we've heard from Bruce so far. And this, by the way, On this album, JB, you and I both ranked this as a 3.5 out of 5, which makes this technically the lowest rated song on this album for us. And and we had a couple people who sort of like pushed back against us a little bit, and then they looked looked at the rest of the track list and were like, well, I mean, yeah, Wild Billy Circus Story is a very good song, but it also, in comparison to the rest of the songs on the album, is, is probably the least strong of those songs. Which is not to say anything negative about the song, it just tells you a lot about the strength of the album overall. You know,
0: yeah, it's definitely like a weird and I think it says something to Bruce fans uh, and, and people who are picking this record up thinking, am I going to follow this guy? He's saying uh, he's saying, oh, I've got a weird streak in me. You know, you're going to get you're going to get some some deep Americana. You're going to get some uncomfortable Americana. And a so, tuba. Gary, that's what you're looking for.
1: Yeah. Very talent on the tuba, my friend. They toured with a tuba in the van. What? Yeah,
0: that's that's incredible. I love it. I love a tuba.
1: A tuba takes up more space than a drum set, and they toured with a tuba in the van. Yeah. So I mean, and really, and the, thematically, and it, it would be easy to hear this song and think thematically that Bruce is breaking the format because so far the, the format has been like party atmosphere, nostalgia, romanticism, big sort of like feelings and emotions and painting a big setting, and here it's. It's a it's a smaller song. There's a tuba. But really what this does is this song thematically, it harkens back to Bruce's love of show business. And and it is sort of like a reminder yeah. of the first time Bruce ever like realized that there was magic going on behind the curtain was when he went to the circus when he was a kid. And so this is Bruce sort of like remembering yeah. that and realizing like Every, like, every party has a backstage. Every, every show has a backstage. The circus, the circus is more interesting behind the curtain than it is in front of the curtain. And Bruce's whole life, he, or up to this point, Bruce has spent his whole life trying to get himself behind the curtain. And so that, yeah. that stays inside the theme of, of the album because it's all about exhibitionism and fun and romanticism. And like, he, in Bruce's mind, there's nothing more fun and exciting and romantic than behind the scenes at the circus.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So, any thoughts? Uh, any new thoughts on on this particular song? No, it just feels like a.
0: It feels like a, if you're a first time listener, you're like, "Uh, Tom Waits," and then, <laughs> and yeah. then you, you know, and then you hear the rest of the record, and you're like, "Oh, that was that an outstander?" And then you hear the rest of Bruce Springsteen's career, and you think, "Oh no, he was trying
1: to tell me something for sure." <laughs> Even though Tom Waits won't go to make stuff like this for another like ten years almost, but. Right, right, yeah. At this guess, point, he's still, like, a balladeer. Yeah, because
0: I, I came to this way way later, so that's...
1: <laughs> yeah. How interesting would it be if, right. if somebody sat down with, with Tom Waits and he's like, hey, tell me about, trom- like, Swordfish Trombone. He's like, oh, I was listening to Wild Billy Circus Story, and I was like, I'm going to change my whole atmosphere, and that's what I did.
0: I mean, there's no there's no universe where Tom Waits isn't influenced by Bruce
1: Springsteen. Well, clearly they're influenced by each other, because one of Bruce's, like, most famous covers is Jersey Girl. So Right, yeah. but I'm just saying, like...
0: There's no universe where Tom – like the transition for Tom, which didn't come out of what's the name Some Bruce Springsteen. I'd like to believe that that's true. I've never yeah, heard I'm Tom not White saying say as much. I'm just sure. saying like whenever you're, whenever you're sort of like falling out of the zeitgeist into like something else, there's always something on the edge that mm. kind of – you know what I'm saying? like. It kind of moves you out of out of standard pop culture into whatever the thing is, is that you move into and like I think Bruce is that for a lot of people in and out of pop culture
1: I'm sure well in in 73 it was still like really cachet to listen to Bruce Springsteen because like nobody had discovered him yet. So if Tom Waits is you know bopping around also getting his career started and listening to new stuff, like this probably would have caught his attention
0: yeah, Tom and Bruce definitely are are similar in that they listen to everything that does seem to be the case they listen to those dudes can reference anything and they are influenced by
1: everything. All right. So let's flip the record. We have three more songs and just a little bit of foreshadowing here. Uh, The next three songs all have straight fives from us. So every song that we talk about for the rest of this episode, we're going to talk about are like are in the hall of fame as far as we're concerned. So, uh, so we flip the vinyl, we set it down. The needle goes down. Track one, side two incident on 57th street. my MVP of the album. This is in my top five all-time favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. I have nothing new to say that I didn't say already on our original episode of the song. It is perfect. I love this song so much. You know, I said Kitties back with like had to be my... F-
0: no, I didn't. I said 4th of July. Uh, yeah, I don't know where this falls. That's what I'm saying. It's like East Street Shuffle, one favorite incident, favorite. Rosalita favorite, New York City. You know, like I love these songs. I don't know how to rank this record. Yeah, this no. is a great song.
1: It is a great. Song. Well, one of my all time Bruce Springsteen live highlights was when I went to see him in 2016 in the Meadowlands, and he he does the this song is a sign request. He he plucks this one up out of the out of the audience. He holds it up, and I see it, and I about flip my lid. And he goes into it and plays ten minutes worth of this song and rolls directly mm. into Rosalita, and um, it's it was the greatest. Was it the greatest moment of my life? It was a great moment. As far as live music is concerned, you, you'd be hard you have pressed. You three to... children. Yeah. I got three children. I've, I've, I've had a pretty great life, but God, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but man, like. Still working
0: solo. Johnny, it falls apart so easy. You don't know hearts these days are cheap. Like, this song's incredible.
1: Johnny, you can leave me tonight, but just don't leave me alone.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. That's yeah.
0: Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's the original version of that song. Or just
1: like the the idea that you can cheat on me, but just don't leave me. You know, like yeah, that like you, I I will I will look the other way with all sorts of indiscretions as long as at the end of this whole thing we're together. Like the the yeah. the the romance and the tension and the love, but also sort of the uh, the deceit between these two characters between Spanish Johnny. And Jane, um, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. He, this is this is the original. Like Bruce creates these two amazing characters and like puts them in a in a very dangerous but magical world and just lets them sort of yeah live their lives and see what happens. I just I I love I, I, and really th- this song becomes a foreshadow of of Jungle Land, which, which is also in my top. Like this and Jungle Land are both in my top five, which tells you a lot about like what I respond to when I listen to Bruce Springsteen. But um, man, I I just. I, I could listen to this song once a day for the rest of my life and I'd never get tired of it. Yeah? That's yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: I love it. I can it. make 7 minutes for this every day.
1: Yeah, or 10 if you're listening to the live cut, which I I try to do. Oh uh, yeah, the on, live cut. On my better days. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's if I if I'm listening to Wild Billy Circus Story at the end of side 1 and I'm like, "All right, I'm I'll see where this is going next." And I flip the record and this is the beginning of side 2. All my expectations are completely subverted and i am transported into a world that i do not want to leave yeah and yeah 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 all right you're right you're right you're right i love it which leads us into the next utterly perfect song on this record which is rosalita parentheses come out tonight For a long time, this was a live staple at Bruce Springsteen shows. This is what people were showing up to see. If, if Bruce, in the early 70s, did a show and didn't close with Rosalita, I would imagine there would be uh, rioting. Like, there was there was a lot, riots, yeah. a lot of joy. Like, Bruce, I mean, in fact, very famously, when Bruce, in 1988, when Bruce would go on the Tunnel of Love Express tour, he retired this song, and one of the great complaints of lifelong Bruce Springsteen fans at the end of those shows was, w- but what about Rosalita though? Like... Are you kidding me? We, we came to a Bruce Springsteen show and he doesn't do Rosalita. What are you we even do? Here? Rosalita. Yeah, and and he would continue to not do Rosalita until the Magic Tour thirty years later. No, twenty years later. 20 there's years so
0: later. many good. There's so many good lines.
1: Oh, it's it's great. Well, and and it's the. But it, by the way, this is my second favorite song on the album. This is number two. Incident is number one. Rosalita is number two. Sandy's number three. And. And technically, this is the second single off of the album, but the, this is interesting. This was not released as a single until 1979. So this, this album comes know. out. They released one single in Germany, and it's sandy, and it doesn't go anywhere. And in 1979, once Bruce has been touring pretty much nonstop for eight years at this point, and everybody everybody has seen Bruce live, is realizing, like, oh, no, nobody bought the album that Rosalita is on, but everybody loves that song. So we're just going to, we're just going to go back and we're going to press a, a new single s- solely due to the fact that the, the live shows were so popular that, uh,
0: yeah. Well, your daddy says, you know, you don't have any money, you know, and then skips forward a little bit because it's a record company. Rosie just gave me a big advance.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I love cause, cause the trope of course is like, nobody wants their kid to date a musician and Bruce is like, right. Yeah, that's too bad because I just got a big advance. Like, I I love that he's totally like like, (laughs) gloating. Which is so funny, also, because like maybe he should have written this song or after Born to Run. You know what I mean? Because when Bruce puts this album out, he is not a successful musician by by the standards of like the record company. He's got more money he's ever had. He definitely does, but he's also like he has he has one failed album under his belt. There's no guarantee that this one's gonna succeed. And I love his confidence that he's gonna put this on the record company just gave me a big advance and in parentheses and nobody knows if I'm going to earn it back <laughs> but uh but I definitely yeah. got a big advance so but I got it yeah so I, I do love the confidence and it's another party song it's a song like it's got the hey 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 and uh the yeah um your papa says he knows that I don't. like there's a lot of stuff in this song that just like and really in this whole album that just like begs the crowd like if you're if you're on if you're not on your feet by the end of this album, you are dead on the inside. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Oh yeah,
0: the call and response on Papa, Papa says you know not got any money is so much fun. It's so good. It's
1: so much fun. And I mean, let's like like I said, like this was this is a live staple forever. And even uh, in on the Magic Tour, the reason Bruce starts doing it again every night is because people are showing up with signs, literally every single night, that say some version of "Can Rosie come out tonight?" And did he did he play this in Dallas? Yes, I, th- I think. On, on the River okay. Tour in uh, in yeah. 2016, I think he was pretty much doing it every night.
0: But, all right, that's what I thought because I was going to say it sounds so live on the recording that if if he didn't play it, then it feels like I've seen it live.
1: <laughs> I want to say I haven't seen it live. The organ at every is show. so good. I think I've seen it live at almost every show. I, he didn't do it the first time I saw him on the Magic Tour in 08, but I think I've seen him do it every other time I've seen him. So it, yeah, it's it, it's pretty. It has pretty much re-entered the the staple. At least when he's with the E Street Band. He pretty much does it every time. Or at least he has in recent tours. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, what what else is there to be said about Rosalita? It's a, it's an incredible, amazing, perfect, just rock and roll powerhouse song. Yeah, man, it's what's up,
0: you know? This it song is what's up.
1: What's up. <laughs> that's, that's a very good way of saying it.
0: And then the New York City Serenade.
1: Cherry on Top, the final track of the album. Which,
0: like, wow. You know, you're, thinking, you're sitting here listening to it like, oh, okay, cool. Good thing I didn't pick up, like, a like a gothic noir record. Hmm. It
1: is interesting that...
0: Hmm, wait till the piano part hits, yeah.
1: It is interesting that the last song on both sides of this of this album are sort of, like, they sort of, like, defy the style. You know what I mean? Like, the rest of the yeah. album is pretty much a party album, and then you've got Wild Billy Circus Story and New York City Serenade that are like, yeah, but there's more here, too. Like, there's, there's some real, like professional musicianship that we don't want to just overlook and New York city. Serenade. Well, and
0: it ends this record ends the same way it begins. It begins with like dissonant horns going into like some, some sort of like interesting sort of kind of jazzy bits going into just like a band, warm tune up going into a super funky guitar part. Right? So you, it slowly fakes you out and then introduces you to like, cool. And New York city serenades is the same thing on the way out. It's like this, this, big uh this big sort of um almost like medieval piano part that that somehow starts to become jazzy in the middle mm-hmm. and then uh you know and then goes back and then comes back to this jazziness and then goes back to the the gothicness and then and then it becomes this this serenade
1: yeah, it, it's it's and it's it's also the longest song on the album. It's nine minutes and fifty five seconds long, and it it is, but it's so good. It's so hypnotic, and it it really does sort of like carry you, carry you to the end of this record very gently and very, uh, I don't know, like what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Hospitably, like it. it and you're right. Yeah. It, it does. It does mirror. It's it's funny. Also, like not only does this song mirror sort of the structure of East Street Shuffle, but also the two songs, Rosalita and New York City Serenade, mirror East Street Shuffle and Sandy, because you've got like one one the first one is a party song, like a big raucous party song, and the next one is sort of like a nighttime stroll through a magical and nostalgic yeah. kind of place. And each one, like yeah. each, each one, have have even has the name of a place in the title. You got or 4th of July Asbury Park, New Jersey, and then New York city serenade. So you have sort of like a big party song and they're then an mirrored. O- That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it tells you like Bruce is doing something really interesting here and he's, he's, he's trying to create, he's, he's painting a picture and, um, he's, he's being really, really smart and really intentional about it. And he also happens to be making some really amazing music.
0: Yeah. It's, it's such a good closer. It's, it is. It's one of those, like, I don't, I almost don't even want to talk about it. Like I just go listen to it, you know? Yeah. Just, Wait, when wait, wait, do you play it again? Yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah, uh, I will say the strings were arranged by uh, E Street Band piano player David Sanchez, uh, who we should probably be talking about just more. He was like, it's amazing like how much er- er- early influence he had on the E Street Band before he left the band after the re- after the making of this record or after I guess after the oh. tour. Um, and yeah. he was not fired. I, I feel like I should say, because we, we talk about Vinny Lopez a lot um, because that, that switchover was so drastic. But uh, Vinny Lopez was fired. And we'll talk about that again on the next uh, right. episode. But David Sanchez left on his own accord. He got a record contract of his own, which, I mean, in retrospect, like that may not have been the smartest move. But I mean, at the time, it made a lot of sense, I'm sure, because he'd already recorded two albums with Bruce and neither of those albums had done any, any business. And a record executive comes to him and says, like, Hey, what if you just had your own thing? And like, Sanchez is like, that sounds great to me. So, right. Yeah. Um, also a good da- business
0: decision that day.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I mean really anybody, pr- anybody with the talent and ambition of a guy like David Sanchez probably would have done the same thing. So also David Sanchez is yeah. the one member of the band who lived on E street, which is how they named the band and this album. So it is funny that by the time, by the time the E street band becomes a like famous thing, nobody on the band, nobody in the band lives on E street anymore. Like the one guy who lived on yeah. E street is, is long gone. So, um, anyway, uh, final thoughts on, on this album. What, what, what are your, I mean, we've said a lot of very glowing, pleasant things about this record. Any final thoughts? If you want to feel young and alive and who doesn't
0: reminiscent of a time that wasn't that far ago, but that, but that you still, you know, wish you could reapproach. like go listen to this record. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. Now, since we're not like, we already rated all the songs individually. So I don't know if we need to rate, I mean, obviously like we're just going to give these albums a bunch of fives, but if we're, if we're going to rank these albums, um, as we go, which maybe it seems like we should. To, it seems like between you and me, it seems like we may be inverted on this. Like, I think I would probably rank this album higher than greetings, but I think if I'm guessing correctly, you would probably rank greetings slightly higher. Is that right? Yeah, I think, I think I would. Is that just, just on, on the basis of the songwriting?
0: Yeah. Cause I really love the energy on this one. I don't know. I think, I think it's honestly just comes down to like the songs at the, the, the times that I listened to, like where I was when I listened to the songs, you know what I mean? Sure. Like I, if I had listened to this at the time that I listened to Greetings, this would have been just as important. But like, I needed Greetings when I heard it that day. Yeah, the first time, and so um, yeah, I think that's how I feel about it.
1: I don't think I don't think there's a wrong answer. I I just like for me the, the side two of this record is flawless. Like there there's there's nothing on Greetings to me, and I love oh, greetings. I love yeah. Greetings so much. But there's nothing on Greetings that gives me the emotional rush. Of the the one two three punch of Incident on Fifty Seventh Street, Rosalita, and New, New York City Serenade, I could I could put this album on side two and just listen to it all day.
0: Well, and I think when he turned this in, somebody in the office was just thinking like, I don't know what this guy's gonna do, but holy shit, this is it. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: I mean, yeah. And at this point, he's he's undeniably talented, and he's I, I mean, he's almost, he's barely twenty three years old when this album comes out. Yeah, who? The, yeah, who anybody, do you know who's twenty three I mean, like, who could have made these two albums? You know? Nobody. I mean nobody. No. So That's stupid to think about. That is stupid to think about. I should I should I should be mad at myself just for even having the question.
0: So No, I don't mean like it's stupid for you to ask that question. I mean like thinking about that is just like it's there's so few people in the world who could do this oh, that it's, it's stupid.
1: Yeah, it tells you what a singular talent he was, just right out of the gate. Yeah, man, this is. I, I mean, I realize like our bonus episode, we're going to talk about our our top five favorite sophomore albums. But I mean, I, I we're going to exclude this album from the conversation just for the sake of having right. more to talk about. But I mean, this is this is the best sophomore album ever made. Like this is like, <laughs> quite frankly, like oh. I don't know how anybody could ever expect to do better than this. But oh, sure. um, but anyway, that 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 those are my that's my opinion. But we won't. But we're going to have five different albums. But. Anyway, thanks everybody so much for listening. We're, we're still trying to figure out the format, but I feel like this one went pretty well. JB, I don't know. We're, let's do a real time. Yeah, this one went nicely. You feel okay about it? You feel feel like we're we're really starting to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I, th- I feel like
0: we probably are still a little longer than we could have been, but I think we did. A good... I mean, I had a blast doing it. You know what I mean? I so mean, we're good. We're good.
1: We're at the one hour mark, and we just got done talking track by track about one of the greatest albums ever made. So I'm feeling okay about it. All right.
0: I yeah, I feel good. I feel good. We probably should have spent an hour and forty five. I think <laughs> we did show a lot of restraint. You're right. I, I thought
1: uh,
0: I'm looking at I'm looking at the timer for when we started talking.
1: Oh, I'm looking at the timer for when we started. Oh no, you are
0: too. Oh, because we record all right. Never mind.
1: Yeah. Anyway,
0: I'm just I'm just wrong. I'm just wrong right now, Rob. No,
1: man, you're good. You're good. Don't be hard on yourself. But um, <laughs> it was good.
0: This is great. This, yeah. is, this is feeling nice. I'm I'm enjoying these album conversations because, like I said very early on, like I've never until now I've never listened to so, uh, records song by song, and so this is such a uh, sort of a refreshing reprieve back to like sort of the way I listen to music and, and I'm having a blast.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think, I think this is probably, and I say this having like, we did 368 episodes about individual songs about, by Bruce Springsteen. But I think even, even Bruce would probably say like, I would prefer you consider my, my music album by album. Like it does seem like he, he constructs these albums so intentionally and it feels, it feels right to be talking about them in their proper context. Now, if you're sitting there and you're listening and you're thinking like, whoa, 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 there's some, like you didn't read any of the lyrics. You didn't talk about a lot of the individual instrumentation. You're right. Because we have, we have literally, we have one episode about each and every song on this record. And so if you want to hear us talk a lot more thoroughly, like 30 minutes at a time about each of these yeah. songs, uh, you can go back and find all that stuff in our archives. But, um, so we, we wanted to not just like sit here and repeat ourselves. We wanted to talk about the album as a whole, um, you know, and, and kind of consider it through those lenses now that we've broken the whole thing down. So anyway, if you're new to the podcast and you're like, whoa, 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 talk more about each song, That's we, we did that already. So p- please feel free to go find that. Uh, but, you know, if you've been with us for a while and you know that, then, you know, thanks for continuing to listen, even though, you know, you, you know that we already like these songs. So, you know, sorry, we already spoiled yes. the surprise for you. But once again, if you're a patron, you can go over and you can subscribe to the bonus feed. And you can listen to our top five episode about our favorite sophomore albums of all time, excluding Wildly Innocent and the Street Shuffle, of course. So, um, JB, any final thoughts before we sign off?
0: No, man. Go listen to the Wildly Innocent and the Street Shuffle and then join us for our bonus discussion.
1: Absolutely. And then if you will join us in the feed next week, we're going to talk about the album Born to Run. Uh, a little known album that...
0: This uh, is why you all signed up for this. Yeah. Is so that we could all talk about Born to Run
1: as an album, right? That's what we're doing. The odds are doing very good. It. Yeah, the odds are very good that people are going to skip the, this, out, this episode and the previous episode and just go and jump right into Born to Run, which is fine. That's fine. That's what people do. Anyway, podcast is on, It's an on-demand medium. People can do whatever they want. Right? Anyway... Thanks, everybody, for listening. Go uh, join the Patreon page or, or check in on the Patreon pa- Patreon page if you want to, if that's something you're interested in. And uh, otherwise, we will uh, talk to you guys next week when we talk about Born to Run.